I'd like to welcome you back to our series on power through kingdom emotions. This is lesson number three. Um, I hope that as we go through this course that you're taking um, the time it takes to really um, step into the presence of God and ask him to just lead you into kingdom emotions. Um, I, 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 don't, I don't want anybody to get the idea that this is something that we're going to walk into on our own. Um, it's, it's not up to me and you to just flip the switch and say, all right, I'm going to live in kingdom emotions. Uh, we really do have to ask God to come and be present with us and uh, walk with us. And, and so I, I hope that that's what you're going to start doing. I, I know that lessons one and two uh, merge together nicely, and I, I hope that as we continue through this course uh, that truly what it does is it just plunges you deeper and deeper into the Spirit of God uh, to truly experience power in kingdom emotions. Let's go ahead and open up with a word of prayer and then we'll get into lesson three. Heavenly Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we come into your presence, Lord God, and we thank you for all that you do for us. We thank you, Father, that we can come before you uh, with joys and even with concerns and lay them before the foot of the cross, Lord God. Turn them over into your hands. We praise you, Lord God, because you are the God that increases our joys and decreases our stress. We praise you, Father, because as we come unto you, uh, we know that you'll share our burden, that you'll lift it off of us, Father, because your yoke is easy and your burden is light. So, Father, as, as we go through this course, I just pray in the name of Jesus that you would call each person who hears the words of these teachings. Call them, Lord God unto your throne. Call them, Lord, to the the cross where they can lay things down. Call them, Lord, by name, that they would hear you call, Lord, and respond in obedience. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray a blessing would shower down upon them right now. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Lesson number three, and and today we're going to be talking about witnessing. Um, we're, we're going to be talking about some unique stuff, I guess. Um, so I want to start first and foremost with defining a term that we tend to use. It's one of those churchy words. Uh, if, you, if you speak quote-unquote Christianese, then this is a word that you've probably uh, heard or maybe even used yourself. The word is oracle. Uh, some people... Use them. Use this in terms of, you know, the the prophet that came to the church was really an oracle of God. Uh, but what do we mean when we say that? And and so this is a good definition that kind of gives you a little bit of an image uh, as as you define it. An oracle can be defined as the conduit by which God reveals hidden knowledge or makes known His divine purpose. All right, um, so it might be a prophet, it might be a vision. You never know. Um, but, but God has such a unique way of teaching us things, of showing us things. Um, if, if, you're, if you're used to the way that I teach and you're, you've been uh, part of my courses that I've been teaching for the last uh, year at this rate, um, then, then you know that we're big into journaling. We like to sit down and have time with God, uh, 
pour out our spirit to him, pour out our heart to him, and just take a moment and, and allow him to fill our page. Just say, God, what is it that you want to say to me today? And, and just take that time and say, here it is. You, you listen for God. Sometimes God reveals things to us in dreams, sometimes in visions, sometimes in words of knowledge, sometimes through prophecy. And these are different oracles. They're different conduits by which God reveals hidden knowledge or makes known his divine purpose. Um, As you grow deeper into your spiritual life, as you walk closer with God, uh, sometimes you can develop um, the, the gift of seeing in the spirit. Uh, it's very unique. It's it's the you're you're looking with eyes of flesh, but your spirit is looking through your eyes of flesh, and your spirit sees differently than what your eyes of flesh really see. Uh, if you want to talk more about that, I'd be happy to talk with you about that. But that's not the point of this lesson. Um, but just know that that sometimes God reveals things to us. Uh, in those ways, words of knowledge through prophecy, through dreams, through visions, uh, however it is that he needs to make it known and he knows that it'll be uh, known unto you. All right. Um, when, when we look at spirituality and we consider, you know, how, how are we emotionally charged into the spiritual realm. We, we think about the things in life that are emotionally charged that we deal with. Um, things that make you laugh, things that make you cry, things that hurt your feelings, um, y- you name it. What, what's the common denominator in all of these things? Frankly, it's your imagination. Um, the imagination is so, so powerful, and we're going to talk about the imagination a good bit during this course Uh, because of how powerful it really is. We have to walk into this course knowing how to use our imagination for the glory of God. All right, so there's four steps that I want to, you know, I guess encourage you to probably write down and focus on for probably at least a week, uh, just so that you can really start to put things together, start to build a foundation for using your imagination in a way that glorifies God. We live in a fallen world. You've heard me say that more than once. But because we live in a fallen world, we have a tendency to have fallen imaginations. And so the things that we let happen in our imagination sometimes do us a great deal of harm. Um, if you're a worst case scenario person, sometimes rather than, you know, just thinking, well, there's a traffic delay. And so the person I was expecting is late. Your mind sometimes goes immediately to the worst. And I'm not even going to speak that in case some of you are dealing with those mindsets. Um, you need to start slowly But you need to retrain your imagination to focus on Jesus. And so, rather than going straight to the worst, you go straight to the Word. Amen? So, four steps that I hope you'll write down um, 
to get your imagination working with you to glorify God. First and foremost, fix your mind's eye on Christ. What do we what do we mean when we say the mind's eye? Well, you know, you're you're a three-part being, your body, soul, and spirit. Part of your soul is your mind. Your your soul is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. Okay? So the soul is the invisible portion of the self. So in your mind, you have what we call the mind's eye. It's what you use to daydream with. It's what you use to see visions. If you're giving the mind's eye over to Christ, you'll see godly visions. If you're giving the mind's eye over to the enemy, well, you're still probably going to see visions, but they're not going to be godly visions. So you want to fix your mind's eye on Christ. And, and we say things, we sing a song, Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and what? The things of earth will grow strangely dim. Amen? Now, it's not about the physical eyes. It's about the mind's eye. The eyes that you are looking on Jesus with obviously has to be the mind's eye. You have to see it in the imagination because when you look around, you can't physically see Jesus in the flesh. So it's the mind's eye with which you gaze upon Jesus. Second comes from Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that he is God. That's what you have to tell your imagination to do. When you, when you start to lose control of the imagination and it starts to go down that dark, painful road of this is the worst case scenario and I know that it's got to be this way and this is awful and what am I going to do? That's when you take a moment and you stop, okay? You, you, see, you see that path coming. And I know that you see that path coming because I lived like this for way too long. And, and so you see that path coming and you go, oh my gosh. In the moment that you start the oh my gosh process, that's when you take the time to stop and you say, no, I'm taking control of this. I am going to be still and I am going to know that God sits on a throne, that God is high and holy. God is righteous. God is omnipresent, omniscient omnipotent. God is the final authority. I'm going to be still in my heart and in my mind and know that he is God. All right, set your mind on things above. So yes, this goes along with fix your mind's eye on Christ. Well, when you get your mind's eye fixed on Christ and you're looking full in the beautiful face of Jesus, Then you think on things, you set your mind on things above. So you're not thinking about the depths of hell any longer. You're not thinking even about the things that are on the surface of this world. But your meditation becomes, this world is not my home. This isn't permanent. I'm on a journey. I'm making my way to the kingdom of God. That's how you set your mind on things above. And, and so you, you can, I guess, almost have a sense of levity in, in that everything that you do 
serves a purpose here and now, but the things that you do that serve a purpose for the kingdom mean the most. So set your mind on things above, and Scripture gives us a, 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 a great instruction on what to think of. It says, think on these things. Can anybody say them? Sure. What is what? Pure. Think on things that are pure. Think on things that are lovely. Think on things that are of good report. Right? There, there's a whole list there in, in the book of um, 1 Corinthians. And the chapter just slipped my mind. I believe chapter 13. Don't quote me on that in case I'm wrong. Uh, it's been a long day. But there's, there's a list of those. And, and you think on these things. And the reason that I chose to write in my notes those three, pure, lovely, good report, there's a reason that I chose those three things, because the fallen world that we live in wants us to think on things that are impure. The fallen world that we live in tends to make us think of things that are not so lovely. Then, and, and, and it pushes us. This fallen world pushes us to think of things that are not even profitable to think on. They're not of good report. And so that's why I chose those. Those are um, kind of the big three in that passage from, from my life. So think on these things. That's, that's, how you, that's how you bring the imagination into its proper place. When you get your imagination functioning under those four things then you will really glorify God with your imagination. Now, if you let it go down, um, and see, I told you, I just flipped open the Bible here. I was wrong. It wasn't Corinthians at all. It's Philippians. They rhyme. Um, I was thinking of the other love chapter. So Philippians 4, 8, whatsoever things are true, uh, honest, just, pure, lovely, good report. If there's any virtue, if there's any praise, think on these things. So I apologize for that misquote. Um, but, but the imagination's role is so, so important. Because if, if we let it go, if we let it fly off the handle, we do harm to ourselves and we don't bring glory to God with our imagination. All right? Um, now the imagination is going to manifest in our physical lives. So if we are glorifying God with our imagination and we have our mind's eye set on Christ and we are still and we know that he's God and our mind is on things above and our thoughts are on pure and lovely and just and honest and good report, what, what do we ultimately manifest? What bubbles up out of our flesh in 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 result of of these things that are going on in our mind an experience starts to take place with Christ because of the way that we have our imagination set and an experience makes you what a witness I'll let this be a rhetorical question and you can answer it for yourself. Are you a witness for Christ? 
what is a witness? We hear people talk about witnessing, and we tend to associate that with someone trying to get another person saved. But what is a witness? A witness is defined as one who has seen or experienced. If you are a witness to an accident on the road, what qualifies you as a witness? You watched it happen. You saw with your eyes. You experienced something. So the question then is, are you a witness for Christ? Have you you seen something? Have you experienced something with Christ? And if you haven't, then this is a good place to start. Because if you haven't had a personal experience with Christ, if if you've just been uh, taking the ropes of, you know, day-to-day life and not really... um, I guess not really living out Christianity, but but walking in a way of, hey, I'm a believer and I go to church on Sunday. Well, what do you make of it? What's the what 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 does the witness of I go to church on Sunday say? Versus what does the witness of I was with the Lord say? And I know some of you are probably saying, well, if I hear somebody say I was with the Lord, I'm going to scratch their head, scratch my head and say, you're crazy. Well, it's not crazy because if if you take the time and you spend time when in the presence of God, studying his word, listening for his voice, you will have an experience with God. You will experience his, his attributes. You will experience Jesus in his fullest. So let me ask you that question again. Are you a witness for Christ? Have you experienced something with God? There's a transformation that takes place in our spiritual being and transformation is different it's it, it's it's a different journey for every person but it's a radical experience transformation is a deliverance encounter that allows the spirit to make you a new creation and there's a there's there's so much that we can be delivered from when we when we walk through deliverance, when we walk through a transformation, we have to know that, that for some people, deliverance is instantaneous. And for others, deliverance takes time. But know this, that the, the, the very day that you accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, the very day that you decided to give your life over to him and serve him, on that day, he began to make you a new creation. He, He decided in that moment, because you surrendered to him, that he would deliver you from things 
that would not be good for you. And he decided that you would be a new creation. Okay, uh, there's a prayer that I've come to love. Uh, It was written by John Wesley. And it's such a beautifully, beautifully worded prayer. And it's part of the, I guess, the surrender that I hear in these words. Uh, But I want you to, I I want to read this to you. And I hope that uh, as, as you hear it, that you'll just bow your head for a moment. And even, even at the end of it, just say, Lord, let it be so. Uh, just just to agree that, that this prayer is something that you want to pray. And this, these, these are the words that John Wesley wrote. I am no longer my own, but thine. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for thee. Or laid aside for thee. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thou art mine, and I am thine. So be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. That's a prayer of surrender. The words that it starts with, I am no longer my own. That's that's what we're taught from Galatians 2.20. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Amen. I'm no longer my own, but God, I'm yours. Everything I'm going to do from this point forward is going to be for you. That includes my imagination. That includes my witness, my testimony. I want it to be for you. Scripture that I want to bring this lesson to a close with comes from 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15 it says this but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you yet do it with gentleness and respect these words are written so that we will know as believers That in every situation that we will face, no matter what, everything that we go through, we have to be prepared to look at a non-believer and justify our faith, the hope that we hold on to. Everything can be wrong. Everything can be blowing away from you. And yet you choose to say, God is good. God sits on the throne. And in those moments when everything is is going away, sometimes the words God is good are the hardest words to utter. 
But yet, when we, when we recognize the fact that God is good and, and that he longs to just, to just be with us and, and he longs to do good for us, do right by us, it, it's so amazing that even in the darkest times, even when you've walked through flood and fire, if you can stand and say, God is good, somebody's going to listen to that. And, and, and that testimony, the experience that you walked through will be a witness to somebody and somebody will hear the words of that testimony. And folks, I'm here to tell you that if you give that testimony and you say, listen, I've been where you're at. I've walked through this fire and I've walked through that flood. I walked out and I didn't get burned. I swam through it and I never drowned. All because of the goodness of God. Somebody say hallelujah. Because God Almighty and because of God alone, I made it through that storm. And yes, I went through some pressure. And yes, I went under some hot fire and some serious heat. But I came out refined like a shining diamond. I came out, I came out as pure gold because it was the refiner's fire that I walked through. And I focused my mind on Jesus and I walked. And I didn't care that the world fell apart around me because my world was Jesus in that moment. And my world was King of Kings and Lord of Lords for that time and ever is and evermore will be my world because that's how I got through. That's what saw me through my Jesus, my Lord. He saw me through. I didn't know what was coming, but Jesus did. But Jesus did. I want to encourage you to take a moment, open your journal, and just write this question to the Lord. Say, Father, is my mind set on you? Be prepared for a convicting answer. I know that when I journaled that particular question, I did get a convicting answer. But know this. Sometimes, yes, our minds wander but God. Two of my favorite words, but God. If there's one thing that I want to leave you with from this lesson, it's this. God is love. God is love. And I don't know who needs to hear this. Maybe I'm just going to be speaking to myself for a minute. But to know that God is love is, is it's a humbling thing. And so if we go to 1 Corinthians 13, I knew that I was going to get to that scripture eventually. If you go to 1 Corinthians 13, I want you to look at verse 4. We know that God is love. And this this passage teaches us love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. 
He's not boastful. He's not arrogant. Not rude. Not self-seeking. Not irritable. Keeps no record of wrongs. That's God. Amen? God is patient. Way more patient sometimes than I think he ought to be. God is kind. God finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. He is truth. Amen? That's our God. So ask the Lord tonight, Father, is my mind set on you? And if he gives you a convicting answer, dig deeper. Ask the Lord tonight how you can better set your eyes and your mind on him. And just just spend some time in his presence. Um, take that walk along the Sea of Galilee again. Take a moment and, and just slip your shoes off and begin to walk because Jesus is right beside you. Doesn't matter what kind of fire, doesn't matter the flood, doesn't matter how high the waves are. It doesn't matter. He's right there. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now in the name of Jesus. Praise you. I thank you for all that you do and I thank you for this time that we've spent in your word and finding knowledge and truth in your word. And I pray, Lord God, that as we continue to seek you, that we would find ourselves drawing closer, drawing closer, drawing closer. Father, I pray each person would spend even but a moment coming under your throne tonight to say, Father, refocus my mind. And Lord, even today I've asked you to focus my mind. That I wouldn't look left, I wouldn't look right. But Father, that I would keep my eyes on you. And Father, I pray each person would just take the moment and say, yes, Lord, keep my eyes fixed on you. Show me your holy ways. So, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, pray that you would release healing power into these people. As we learn to walk in kingdom emotions, as we learn, Lord God, to be compassionate toward others, as we learn to walk with gratitude, as we learn to let peace reign in our hearts, Let the joy of the Lord be our strength. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would prepare our hearts for a mighty revival. Father, that we would see person after person kneeling before the throne of God to say, here I am, Lord. I choose to worship. Father, I do thank you and I give you praise in the mighty name of Jesus for this time. Until we meet again and all God's children said, Amen and Amen. So God bless you all. Have a wonderful evening. And we'll meet back here in a few days to get into lesson four. And take care. Bye-bye.